All right, we have an opening line out on the game of the year in college football happening October 8th in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. In, in case you've been under a rock for about the past four hours, A&M and Alabama after today is the game of the year in college football. And the spread is Bama minus 16 and a half. Buddy, I am rolling on minus 16 and a half for the Crimson Tide. I am I'm ready to throw down some massive coin on the tide at home to cover the 16 and a half against A&M. That game will not be closer than 3 touchdowns. Not, can I have Absolutely the, no clue. What are my odds to take the first half line minus 16 and a half for Alabama? <laughs> Legit. The first quarter line minus 16 and a half for Alabama. Can I get those odds somewhere? Wow, we have learned a lot of things today. We've learned a lot of things today before 2 o'clock. We think that uh, well we learned that Jimbo thinks Nick Saban is a narcissist and someone needs to slap him upside the head. We've learned that A&M and Alabama is the most anticipated game of the year. Um, we've learned that Jimbo doesn't think that they're actually buying players, which I think is interesting. What a fascinating day. Yeah, okay, here's, here's what we do know, Tyler. I'm just going to put it in layman's terms. Here's what we do know. We do know that seven months after the passage of NIL legislation – the wealthiest athletic department in the nation signed the greatest recruiting class in the history of recruiting. Yeah. Well, and, and I the, mean, I'm just going to leave it at that. And, and the timeline doesn't lie. Like, listen to this. 2018, this is Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, right? 2018, Jimbo had zero five stars at Texas A&M. 2019, all right, he had two. 2020, all right, he had two five stars again. 2021, just one five-star. But then, like you're saying, the NIL is introduced, and after a season where they lose four games in the SEC, go four and four, lose to Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and LSU, and it magically has seven five-stars in the highest-rated class of all time, not just of this year, the highest-rated class in recruiting history. He got more five-stars this year than the previous four years at Texas A&M. Yeah. Homeboy's been buying players. Why? Out there. Why is Jimbo Fisher attempting to disavow the notion that Texas A&M is buying players? Why? It's happening. It's not a secret that it's happening. No, and, and it's legal. You don't have to try to disavow it because you can do it legally now. So why on earth are you trying to come out and say no? We're, we're not buying players. Yes, you are. Yeah, he, and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You can own up to it. No one's going to come after you. Well, except for Nick Saban, obviously, for, for what he said. I, last I'm talking night. about more in a legal sense. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. I that press conference today, you know, Steely and I were watching it in opposite rooms and it only lasted what, five to seven minutes, something yeah, like it was that. Not very long. But as soon as it got over, I came running to Steely's edit bay and I sounded like Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. That was Awesome! It was it was really like an incredible seven minutes of Jimbo Fisher just dunking on Nick Saban, and boy, he was playing the victim card, wasn't he? Oh, he was playing the victim card. Why did Jimbo Fisher feel the need to say all that? Uh, he felt he felt attacked. I, I, here's what I think it is, man. Jimbo Fisher, like he's not doing anything illegal, like you said. 
But don't sit up there and tell me that you're not buying players. Of course you're buying players. That's exactly what you're doing. Saban thinks it's shady the way that he's doing things, and he's calling it out. Yep. And Jimbo Fisher is saying, well, dadgummit, I'm just operating in the rules. What do you want me to do? I'm just operating in the rules that the NCAA gave to us. So I, I, I can see Jimbo's point of, well, hey, I'm not the only one doing it, but let's not act like it's exactly what it is. They paid around $3 million for the highest-ranked ever recruiting class. And you know what? That's fine, A&M. If that's your ticket, if that's your way to get the best talent you've ever had in a class, cool, that's fine. But, man, Nick Saban went over the top, but Jimbo calling him a narcissist and saying, you know, look at this guy. Hey, that guy's got skeletons, I assure you. All right, hey, go back and look at the past. It's the reason why I haven't went back to, to Tuscaloosa to work for the guy out there in Alabama. He, he just rambled on for seven minutes and killed the guy. Uh, first off, I love uh, the Jimbo impression. Thank you. Secondly, I, I did this in the 12, 12 o'clock hour. I want to do it again. Let me just read you the initial tweet from Mike Rodak that everybody flipped out about. Nick Saban. We were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. That's not pissed off Nick Saban. That's Nick especially that last sentence. Yeah. That is Nick Saban warning the rest of college football, hey, if this is the way things are going to be, I can make things a hell of a lot worse for the rest of y'all. Yeah, and, you know, Cowherd had a take today that I disagree with. Shocker there. Wow. But uh, he had the take of, well, you know, this is, this is Nick Saban telling his boosters to get with it. They better get with it because, you know, Texas is a richer state than Alabama, Parker. Texas got all this money and all the boosters at A&M and Texas are floating all this money to the program. Alabama's boosters aren't doing their job, and Nick Saban is calling them out. I'm like, no, I didn't take I don't think that that's the case at all there, Uncle Colin. I think what it is is exactly what you said, and Saban's done this before. With the hurry-up offense and the way everyone was you know, constructing their offensive game plan 10, 12 years ago, Saban said, all right. Just want to make sure that this is what you guys want. You, you sure that this is what you want? You're sure that this is how the, you want the game to go? And Saban changed into one of the most potent offenses in college football shortly thereafter. And he's had, what, a track record of one of the best offenses for the past five years. You're exactly right. It's the same thing. It's, okay, if this is what you guys really want to do, all right, I will operate at the same level as everyone else. Be careful what you wish for. That's what Nick Saban is telling everybody right now because – as you just touched on, Tyler, there is nobody in college football that excels at beating you at your own game quite like Nick Saban, and that's the reason he's got six national titles in the last 13 years. Yeah, and there's all these takes of, well, you can just tell, man. You can really just tell that Saban's tired of all this NIL stuff. He doesn't want to play the game. You can just tell that he's going to retire in one to two years. I, I disagree. I adamantly disagree with that. Saban's going to be around no matter what the game looks like. Um, I think it was just kind of a warning to everyone saying, all right, if this is what you guys want to do, that's cool. Bama can play that game too. And Cowherd, Bama's boosters, Bama will find enough money to throw out there if they need to operate let me, that let me, way. Let me, ask, let me ask you this, Tyler. How many people, save for Billy Lucci, do you think believe that Nick Saban is actually threatened by Jimbo Fisher? Um, very few outside of College Station, I think, believe that. I mean, why, why would Nick Saban be threatened by Jimbo Fisher? He beat him once last year. That's great. But 
Nick Saban got a pretty good record against Jimbo Fisher yeah, outside of just last year. You know what else year. happened last year? Nick Saban's team played for a national championship. Texas A&M played for an Outback Bowl. Yeah, that they didn't even end up playing in, right? Or, oh, or, yeah. No, you're no, right. They didn't even. Yeah. They didn't even play the Outback um, A&M's AD, Ross Bjork, this is just uh, in, in the past 15 minutes. I guess he told Ross Dellinger that Nick Saban's comments violate SEC sportsmanship bylaws, and he's been in contact with Greg Sankey. Bjork calls the comments, quote, a personal attack and suggests Saban is lashing out because he's threatened. Quote, Ross Bjork says that this is personal. Who is he personally attacking? (laughs) Who is he going after? Is it Ross Bjork? Is it Jimbo Fisher? Is it the boost? Like, who... Who is the specific target of Nick Saban's perceived rage? I love the storyline of this game on October 8th. By the way, that is the uh, same day as OU Texas. It's, it's, it's going to be labeled as kind of two sides, right? The way that it should be in college football and the way that it is now, which is Texas A&M, and made the best man win out on the field. And I think uh, Nick Saban, once again, will be uh, – the better man out on the field, October 8th in Tuscaloosa. And, look, I think um, Alabama's going to get up early, and you best bet that Saban's going to send a message that day, and he, it's going to be pedal to the metal all the way all the yeah, way through. Full throttle for 60 freaking Bryce minutes. Young, be ready to play every single offensive snap uh, October 8th. I don't think he's going to take you out of the game. He might throw for 800 yards in that game. That's very much within the realm of possibility. I, I hope. I hope he does. I hope he just runs up the score. Another 77 to nothing against A&M would be great. There's generally no gratification to be found in a good old-fashioned Alabama beatdown, but there will be in this one. Text line says, I don't know. If he wouldn't have called Jimbo straight out, I'd agree with you, but I could see him winning another couple titles in the next three years and calling it good. I mean, maybe. Maybe if he just gets bored. But then again, at this point in time, Nick Saban's job is easier than it's ever been. That's the other end of it that nobody talks about. Nick Saban literally at this point has probably the easiest job of anybody in college football. He is a demigod. He does not have to recruit. All he has to do is walk the recruits into his office and say, hey, look, Alabama, six national titles, 13 years. Literally nobody that's ever played four years for me has not won a title. Come be part of this, or don't. I'll win with you. I'll win without you. And then he puts that remote control wall into use and, like, closes up. Isn't that what he has? He has that remote control, like, wall that he can put up in his office, and he can, like, shut himself off to everyone else. He's got something like that. Oh, really? It's, uh, yeah, and he, like, uses that remote control all the time. To It's It's interesting. I have never heard Parker's voice get that high pitched. He is into this crying or laughing face emoji. Uh, please don't say Uncle Colin. Yuck. All right. I apologize. I apologize for uh, referring to Colin Cowherd as uncle. But I was just meaning to say that I think that he had another take that I disagree with today. But he wasn't off on, you know, Jimbo Fisher is definitely, I mean, it's looked at as unethical I think by a lot of coaches in college football people are using NIL but not to the extent that Jimbo is using it at Texas A&M but Saban was doing some unethical things at Alabama with all the gray shirting because that was his plan to get good fast is he was over signing kids and 
he was using it as a way to kind of better evaluate the prospects that he was bringing in. You oversign a class, then you kind of look and see which guys are your best 25, and then kind of gray shirt the, the rest of the, the uh, players that you have, send them on to Troy, whatever. So Nick Saban is, is in no way some sort of an angel when it comes to college football coaching. No, by no he, means. He is, he is not. So both of their guys have taken the shortcuts. So, and, 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 again, they're not the only two, Parker. I mean, show me a head coach who's been successful in college football, and I could probably point to you more than once instances where some people have said, yeah, I don't like the way that he's going about this particular thing. Look, the more – I'm trying to think what the adage is that goes hand-in-hand hand with this, and it's escaping me right now. But basically, the more prominence you have, the more detractors you will have. That's why there's a significant contingent of people out there that have a strong distaste for Nick Saban, just like there's a contingent that has a strong distaste for Dabo Sweeney or for Kirby Smart. Or if you want to throw in the guys that haven't won a national championship yet but have won consistently, there's a lot of people that have a strong distaste for somebody like Brian Kelly. It's just the nature of the game. Yeah. What about OU's boosters, asked the text line. Since we are on the subject of NIL, will Oklahoma see any big change to our NIL to compete with teams like Bama, A&M, and Texas? Okay, well, here's the thing. <laughs> oh, man. I just I, I processed the latter half of that text as I was beginning to speak. And look, competing with Bama is not akin to competing with Texas A&M, and it's not akin to competing with Texas. Sure. Right now, you can't compete with Alabama. You can't. You can't play Alabama's game and be as effective as they are. What does competing with A&M look like? Because if it looks like buying players, is that an area in which you really need to compete? Because there is no empirical data right now to suggest that this strategy is going to pay off as far as wins on the football field for Texas A&M. And then as far as competing with Texas, what? Yeah. You've owned Texas for the last decade. And very routinely they've had the higher-ranked recruiting class. So, no, I I, I mean, OU will be active in the NIL game moving forward. I don't think that they're going to be as close to active as A&M or Texas. And I just – I think that that's – there's a few reasons for that, but I think that might be a preference for Brent Venables. I may be off on that one, but I don't think Brent Venables wants to go A&M Texas level of NIL, being that active in it. He wants something there. He wants something there for the players, but he does not. He does not want that to be the forefront of how they recruit individuals. Look, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. You know why Texas A&M is dishing out all this money? You know why Texas is dishing out all this money as far as NIL is concerned? You know why Alabama isn't? Dishing out all this money, nor is Oklahoma, because to pick those two examples, Texas A&M and Texas are desperate. It's a short. That's what it is. It's a short. Desperation. Texas A&M has not won anything meaningful in the sport of football since World War II. Texas has not won anything meaningful in the sport of football for a decade, and they've been clearly inferior, not just to their chief rival in Oklahoma, but to in-state programs that operate with far fewer resources, the likes of Baylor. And TCU. On a, on a similar path, Nebraska is really getting heavy into NIL, it seems. I don't know if it's to the level of A&M in Texas, but they're being aggressive. Same thing. It's out of uh, desperation. It is desperation. Okay. That's what it is. We got several texts on this. We'll hit them on the other side. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. But what I'm curious of, 
I am curious where OU fans sit on this topic. Are you Team Saban or are you Team Jimbo? So, just simple request here. Text us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Team Saban, Team Jimbo, tell us why you're on the side that you are. More to come next. It's Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. No surprise, but the Air Comfort Solutions text line is uh, very much taking the side of Team Saban in this whole deal. 405-651-3439 if you want to interact with the show. Team Saban. Saban has the resume to be able to make the statements like he did. Jimbo admitted his guilt in his defensive reaction. Plus, he's just another coach and hasn't done anything since getting to Texas A&M. You shocked at all that not very many people on the text line, if any, are uh, Team Jimbo Fisher? I am not shocked at all. It's a hard guy to like. It's really a really hard, hard guy. guy to like. You know, a lot of folks are saying on the text line, I really hate to agree with Saban here, but... Saban's definitely right. Team Saban because of the way Jimbo slinked out of Tallahassee. Uh, Yeah, that is true. I side Saban. Saban said Jimbo bought a class, which is legal and true. Jimbo said Saban cheats. Huge difference. Yeah, he also... Hey, you know, I understand that Jimbo took it personally, what Saban said, but in terms of the personal attacks... Jimbo took that to a whole nother level with this press conference today. I, I mean, he can be mad about what Saban said. and I, I, hey, hey, he called me last night. I, I, I didn't answer the phone call. As far as I'm concerned, I'm done. That relationship is done. But he didn't even – he was throwing some real personal attacks, saying that, oh, you know, people think that Saban walks on water. Well, go look at his past. They, there, there's a reason why someone like me hasn't gone back and worked for him. It's like, dang, okay. He painted uh, Nick Saban to be a, a really bad guy, a real bad guy. I haven't heard anyone say anything remotely close to uh, to things about, about that, about Nick Saban like Jimbo Fisher's had. Uh, also, some people on the text line, Parker, are saying that they're uh, Team Brent Venables. Love it. And they're not Aren't Team we all? Side. Uh Going back to the conversation we were having at the end of last segment, Tyler, let me ask you this. I'm going to rattle off some schools. There are two common denominators between all these schools. You tell me what they are. Texas, Texas A&M, Miami, Arkansas, Nebraska, Oregon, heck, throw in USC. Uh, there's a lot of connections there. One would be their activity in the NIL game, some larger than others. Bingo. And I would say distance since their last national championship. Exactly. All of those programs, to varying degrees, are trying to break through. Even a program that has had some success in recent years, like Oregon, has never won a national championship. Right. And you look at a program like Texas or Nebraska, okay, that's a program that does have some history and some tradition, and they've been there on the biggest stage before. But it's been a minute. So, to varying degrees, all of those schools that I just referenced – are pretty much at the point, and especially at Miami in particular, because they haven't won 10 games in a season since, since I think 2003 offhand. All of those programs are about at the point where they're throwing their hands in the air and saying, you know what, we've exhausted all the other avenues. We might as well just go heavy on NIL to try to reverse our fortunes as yeah. a football program. I, and I don't, like someone like Nebraska, I don't blame them. 
Because at this point, it's, what can you do? You hired Scott Frost, and that, that kind of felt like, yep. God, if Scott Frost doesn't get it done here, what do we do? So I don't blame some of these programs for using NIL very aggressively, which it's under the rules, right? I don't like the rules. I disagree with the rules. But the rules are the rules. I don't blame some of those schools for pursuing it. But come on, Jimbo. Let's let's call it how it is here, okay? You operated under the rules, and that's fine. That's okay. But let's not act like you didn't shell out a ton of money for that recruiting class. You did. And that, and that was my issue, is him today acting like they didn't spend a dime for that recruiting class. Come on. But again, Come on, man. If you want to, if you want to draw the line, you want to connect all those dots. The common thread is desperation. That's what it boils down to for these programs that are throwing around large sums of money to bring in elite recruiting classes. It is desperation. Nobody wants to call it that, but that's what it is. Yeah, it is. Fisher acts like the whole college football world would be surprised if news broke that Bama was buying recruits before NIL. It's funny watching him squirm at the accusation that he is currently doing the same. That's on the text line. NIL can't buy a winning culture. I agree with that. Uh, someone else in the 580 says Team Saban. Though maybe legal, Fisher, Mulesu, etc. are not following the intent of the law. So who do you think nationally comes out looking like the bad guy in in this one are they equal are we laughing at them equally Saban and Jimbo Fisher or is one more than the other coming out looking looking bad after this whole spat I don't think this affects the perception of Nick Saban at all I really don't I think Jimbo won up to him with his tantrum earlier today I think that's going to be everybody's focus in the aftermath of all of this and moreover now, if there, and like we talked, we touched on it at the top. If there wasn't already enough of a target on the backs of Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies as they head to Tuscaloosa this October, now there is, and Lord knows when Alabama pounds A and M into submission in Tuscaloosa because it will happen. It will happen. Tyler, it it's, will happen. Yeah, there are not a whole lot of guarantees in college football. This one's is kind of this is a guarantee. Yeah, Lord knows when that happens. It is going to be a fun day on Twitter. Yeah, it is. The following day. Because there are going to be Jimbo jokes aplenty. Yeah, and I'm telling you, Saban will run up the score. Uh, Saban will run up the score in that game, in the second half. He will. He will continue to – he'll be yelling at his offensive coordinator on the sideline. Remember how he used to uh, yell at Nick – or uh, Nick – Lane Kiffin all the time? He'll he'll be acting like that to his O.C. if his O.C. dares running the ball – on like a second and four in the second half, trying to run the run the clock out or something. Now Saban's Saban's gonna be out for blood, and the post game handshake at midfield. I cannot wait for that after Alabama runs up the score. It is it is gonna be glorious. Will there be a post game handshake? Uh, there will be a post game handshake, but there will be no eye contact made. It'll be barely touch each other's hands and then walk off. Yeah, it'll be like was it. Jim Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz, this was probably a decade ago, and Harbaugh was brand new to the NFL as a head coach. And his post-game handshake with Schwartz was just – the 49ers had just won a game. It was real tied up until the end. Harbaugh was pumped. He goes skipping out to midfield, shakes Schwartz's hand, pats him on the back, and goes running off. 
And Schwartz was furious about it in the aftermath. Ran after him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But I feel like it's going to be that type of situation where there's just like absolutely minimal interaction. Yeah. So I thought a month ago, especially with the whole tampering of the you know the Jordan Addison situation, I thought that Muleshoe had officially become the villain of college football. Did any of that change today? Is Jimbo now elevated to the villain of college football? Is Saban elevated back to the villain of college football? Who is it? I don't want to be prisoner of the moment. I think it's probably still Muleshoe. It depends. If this is the end of Jimbo's tirade, yeah, I think it's probably still Muleshoe. But Jimbo's also the type of person where I can see him putting something else out tomorrow or, like, doing an interview where he craps on Saban again. Something tells me we have not heard the last of Jimbo Fisher on this topic. Well, I'll tell you someone else we haven't. Well, we have heard from them on social media, but not publicly. Dion's going to have to be making a statement at some point, right? Oh, that's right. Dion got dragged last night by Nick Saban, too. So I don't know if that's going to happen later today or tomorrow, but it's prime time, baby. He's going to be approaching the podium at some point and going to have something to say. And I'm going to guess it's going to be as aggressive as Jimbo Fisher. By the way, completely underrated storyline in all of this, Nick Saban still reads the newspaper. (laughs) Well, yeah, so we know that his morning routine is what he eats two Little Debbies and watches the Weather Channel before he goes off to to the office. (laughs) He's a Little Debbie guy? I think that's pretty well documented that he's a Little Debbie, two Little Debbies, a coffee, and a Weather Channel guy. So wow. lives a pretty okay. lives a pretty exciting life. And I love it, man. I love it. All these coaches say, well, I don't look at social media. I don't look at this. But when something happens on social media, Parker, they sure find out about it really quick. And I know Jimbo said that someone called him and told him the news. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm sure that that's the case. I'm sure that you guys don't uh, look at social media all the time when something like this is going on. Okay. I know Steely's a big hostess guy. I wonder if that diminishes his regard for Saban. I don't. I feel like he's pro Saban. Is Steely not pro Nick Saban? I think he is. I, he was definitely pro Saban today, as is most everyone. <laughs> I think most everyone is. But you make a very good point, Tyler, in that there was a time, and it's a time that we may still be living in, regardless of our individual perceptions on it. But there was a time. The time may still be now that Nick Saban was slash is regarded as the villain of college football. For Jimbo Fisher to one-up him in such spectacular fashion today takes some doing. It really does. I mean, he it was as cutthroat of a – I've never – how about this, Parker? I've never heard another coach speak that way about another coach the way that Jimbo Fisher no. did about Nick Saban no, today. No, never. And it ain't even close, man. <laughs> I mean, he outright called him a bad person today. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't, like, question his abilities as a football player. I mean, he outright said, yeah, you don't know the real Nick Saban. The real Nick Saban is a bad person and someone that I don't want to work for. It's like, dang. How long has it been since you witnessed a tirade from a college football head coach that was this instantly legendary? Do you have to go all the way back to Mike Gunn in 2007? Yeah. Um, I mean, Saban's had plenty, right? Um but not as instantly famous as, as this one, man. I, I think it might be Mike Gundy all the way back in, what, the 2007 season is when I, I think that that happened. Hey, by the way, coming up next segment, keep the text coming. We'll get to them, 405-651-3439. You OU fans out there, you in for uh, some good news? Well, some of you will take this as really good news. But apparently, 
The staff is out in Northeast Oklahoma looking at a certain wide receiver that we like to talk about a lot on this show. You don't say. What's the situation with OU and Cole Adams? Has it been updated? We'll tell you next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. That's the sound uh, a lot of OU recruiting fans are making today, especially those up in Owasso where I guess some members of the OU coaching staff, Parker, are uh, finally going to see Cole Adams in person. Is this the first, not the first major step, but is this a major step for OU finally offering Cole Adams? What's the, what's the situation Well, let's there? hope so, Tyler. Here's, here's the thing, and here's why I'm still a little bit apprehensive, <laughs> even though I would very much love to believe that the offer is coming today. OU started to trend really positively with a lot of other wideouts on their board. Jaquazy Petaway, Anthony Evans, Mikhail Harrison Pilot. Just to pick three examples there off the top of my head. Is Cole Adams in a position where he can legitimately be a priority for this Oklahoma staff? I don't know, man. And the fact that it took this long to offer, if indeed the offer does come, you know, that, that makes me wonder whether Cole Adams is going to look at Oklahoma in the same light as these programs like LSU and Alabama and Mississippi State and Tennessee that have been recruiting him for many more months and have made him a priority. Well, maybe uh, Cole Adams is Team Jimbo in this whole deal. Maybe he's one of the few guys from Oklahoma that's Team Jimbo and this damages Alabama's reputation for him. Does Doubt he- it! Doubt it, though. Does he have an AM, A&M offer? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think he does. Well, it feels like the entire SEC uh, <laughs> offered him, what, like going back a, a little over a month ago or so. Um, so maybe. I, I know Tennessee has, Alabama has. I don't know. It seems like everyone else in the, in the Southeast has, but not sure about A&M. But, hey, this is uh, OU uh, wants to see kids in person and then offer them. It kind of sounds like that's what they want to do in a lot of uh, instances. So, this is interesting. The Cole Adams situation just won't die, man. Yeah. Just when well, we think okay. we have a final verdict on it, 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 it pops back here's, up. Here's what else is going to play into that situation, though. Uh, and I will give a shout-out to my uh, colleague Brandon Drum at 24-7 Sports for going down to Flower Mound to confirm this yesterday evening. But uh, Ashton Cozart is visiting Oregon this weekend. Yeah. So, makes you wonder. Spot open at wide receiver. Makes you wonder. Again, I am still of the belief that Ashton Cozart's going to circle back around to Oklahoma even if the staff does make him decommit. But Venable's whole thing, right, is we're not going to hold a spot open for you if you're not committed. Once you're committed, you're locked in. So if Ashton Cozart decommits here in the next couple days, Maybe Cole Adams becomes a lot more of a priority than they were otherwise banking on him being. Yeah, um, I mean, the timelines here make you think that in some way that they're linked. And the Ashton Cozart situation is so fascinating because he's the first one, right? And if you're going to implement this style of recruiting, which I'm fine with, and I think a lot of other fans are fine with as well, but when the first instance of it pops up, Parker, you kind of – you got to live by that. You got to you got to live by what you're preaching. So I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of a decommitment. I just wonder if OU is going to circle back around to him at all, and what is the communication going to be like as soon as Ashton Cozart gets back from Eugene on that Oregon recruiting trip? I don't know. I I, I think that that's you know really the big mystery here, but. 
maybe there's a chance that OU drops all communication with Ashton Cozart. I'm not I, rooting for that. Yeah. I wouldn't guess that that's the case, but what happens next is going to be very, very, very fascinating. I don't think that's going to happen. I also don't I, I don't think Ashton Cozart's the type of guy that you can afford to cut off communication with because that dude, in my mind, is still criminally underrated. He is one of the best wide receivers in the nation. That is an elite talent in this 2023 cycle. So if the Sooners lose him... That's cause for concern, but he's here's one of the weirdest narratives that has come out of this whole Cozart and Oregon ordeal over the last couple days. One of the narratives that I've seen crop up increasingly is, well, Jackson Arnold's not doing a good enough job recruiting. Really? Exactly. That take's been out there? Yes, that take is out there. Is that from the same people that were like, well, Drake Stoops, we don't like it's him. It's probably, yeah, the oh Venn diagram gosh. is probably a circle, uh, but... <laughs> He's already getting – wow, okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but li- no, like even if Ashton Cozart decommits, which it looks like, you know, from what we understand, it looks like that's going to have to happen if he's going to take the Oregon visit this weekend. If slash when that happens, you think Ashton Coz- – or, or you think Jackson Arnold still isn't going to be in Ashton Cozart's ear every single day trying to get him back in the boat at Oklahoma, whether that's a sure thing or a shot in the dark? Of course No, he's he going to be doing it just like he's been doing it for six months with his teammate Peyton Bowen. You know who we haven't talked about in a while is my favorite prospect in this class, which is uh, Dylan Edwards running back out of Derby, Kansas. He fast. He's small, but he fast. Why don't you decipher this tweet from him? When I commit, it's all about who was the most genuine, who kept it real with me the most, dot, 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 100 emoji. We haven't really talked about Dylan Edwards, and I haven't really heard anything recently as to where he's where he's leaning, what that situation is, what's 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 going on, what's going on with him. Yeah, so here's the sitch with Edwards. He's on an official to Nebraska this weekend. He obviously just dropped the top ten. Look, you got to cut through the BS on that top ten because everybody and their mother knows that Dylan Edwards isn't going to Kansas, for instance. There are a few schools on that list he's serious about. The vast majority of it is just clutter. Now, he's taking the official to Nebraska. He will take an official with Oklahoma. Beyond that, it's tough to say which of the other schools will get official visits from him. I don't know whether Oregon is going to push him as hard as they were before they got a commitment from Dante Dowdle, another four-star running back. I think Washington is actually in a sneaky good spot to get an official visit. Here's the thing with Dylan Edwards, though. I want you to remember that I said this, Tyler. Okay, I remember. I'll write it down. May 19th, 2022. Something in my gut just tells me this is a legit possibility. I think Dylan Edwards is exactly the type of kid that at the end of it all could end up at Jackson State. Woo! Wow. Yeah. Um, well, Gentry, do you want to call it a flirtation with Jackson State late in? Like, we never really thought it was maybe a realistic situation, but it's like, okay, Jackson State's in on this thing. You think that this is real for Dylan Edwards. Coach Prime getting to the guy. I think it's real, and there's familiarity there. So Prime and some of that Jackson State staff actually coached Dylan Edwards uh, when he was playing in Dallas on some – you know, one of those all-star type teams, seven on seven. I, I I don't know exactly what it was, but what I know is that there's familiarity there with both Dylan and his dad. So Jackson State, 
I think that school could very well receive an official visit from Dylan Edwards, and he's he just he just gives off those kind of vibes, man. It's tough to explain unless you know the kid, and I've gotten to know Dylan really well. There's just something about him where you figure, you know what? He's got the type of personality where he'd go off the beaten path and he'd go somewhere like Jackson. And then Nick Saban can call out uh, the Dylan Edwards recruitment next year, say that they paid Dylan Edwards a million dollars to go to Jackson State. Exactly. Yeah, right? That, that could happen. Hey, uh, interesting text here before we hit a break. BV needs to pull Cozart offer. Now, most of the time when someone decommits, it's met with a lot of anger from the fan base, right? I wonder if this situation is different because we are definitely in the stage where Brent Venables can do no wrong whatsoever. And if they were to tell him to decommit, Parker, it would be one of the rare you know, instances where some of the fan base would say, good, yeah, way to go, tell him to decommit. That's yep. awesome, which is you know, unique, right? I wonder if the majority of the fan base is rooting for that offer to be pulled or if they want OU to keep that offer, keep recruiting him, just act like this visit never happened. I'm going to guess most recruiting fans, most OU fans would say, no, practice what you preach. Pull the offer from the kid. We don't care. Go find someone else. You can go find another wide receiver. No big deal. Yeah, well, I mean, as much as Brent Venables has been preaching family and the genuine nature of the relationships between his staff and the players that they're recruiting, yeah, I, I think a lot of folks would see it as disingenuous if Brent Venables didn't make Ashton Cozart decommit. I don't know about pulling his offer. I think that's probably a step too far, especially with a kid as talented as he is. But, yeah, I I don't think Ashton Cozart will still be committed in the next couple of days. All right, one final segment of Locked In coming up next. I think final segment of the week for Parker Thune. Yes, How indeed. How about that? Dang. He's got a three-day weekend coming up, so get your text in. Cruton questions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. One final segment next. In with McComas and Thune, final segment on this Thursday. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. EliteRoofing.com is where you can check them out online or you can give them a call. Oklahoma City, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, 918-984-5475. Elite Roofing Systems. Air Coverage Solutions text line. Hello, guys. Oklahoma is playing patty cake with Cole Adams just to mildly keep him on the hook as a backup in case someone they value more drops out. In my somewhat informed opinion, Adams will end up at Arkansas because they are recruiting the heck out of him. You agree with all that? I mean, define somewhat informed. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. Uh, you know, in talking to Cole... Over the past few months, one of the things he's told me repeatedly is, look, I want to go where I feel the love. And it doesn't really matter to me where that is. And so if Arkansas is where he feels the most love, yeah, I don't doubt that that's where he's going to end up. I also don't think OU is out of it by any stretch of the imagination if they are to offer Cole Adams. And uh, I will be curious to see what becomes of today and their visit up to Owasso to see the four-star wideout. In the 405, Venables never said if a committed player takes a visit, he's going to pull their offer. He said he's going to no longer consider them committed and continue to recruit that position. Big difference. Yeah, Bingo. good text. Exactly. Yeah, he's, good text. Ashton, Ashton Cozart's offer is not getting pulled. It's not. Whether you want it to or not, that's not happening. 
pulling an offer isn't right. Just tell the kid, okay, but your spot isn't reserved, and we're going to recruit like you're not committed. Which is completely fair. Yeah, and I think that that's probably the situation that we're looking at, and obviously it is today. Maybe they were going to go to Owasso to see Cole Adams no matter what, but it is interesting, the timeline, right? Um, find out about the Kozar. D- does it feel like to you that he didn't really want anyone to know that he was taking this organ visit? Yeah, and that's kind of understandable. Because right, you don't want the freak out from the fan base of the school that you're committed to. And I'm, I'm really not putting too much stock into Ashton Cozart's visit to Oregon, especially since he's from the Pacific Northwest. If there's, a, if there's a visit that makes sense, this is one of the ones that makes sense. I don't think Ashton Cozart and Oklahoma are in danger of having a messy divorce here. I don't. I understand why he wanted to keep this out of the public eye. I understand why the initial report didn't come from Ashton Cozart himself. I get it. And I think at the end of the day, this is the type of thing where it's it's all going to blow over in the end. It will. I wonder if he told the staff that he was going to take this visit or they just found out like the rest of us because I could see them taking that the wrong way, Parker. Yeah, oh, if definitely. It, if it felt like definitely. he was just going to secretly take this visit to Oregon and he wasn't planning on telling them, that's not going to go over too well. Hey, before we get out of here, LV Bunkley Shelton did commit to OU yesterday. That he did. You put in your crystal ball just in time. He's got three years of eligibility, 33 catches, 418 yards, two touchdowns last year at Arizona State. Sounds like Jeremiah Cordell had a, had a big hand in this He did, yes. Those two go back a long, long way, all the way back to grade school, as a matter of fact. So... Coach Crid helping close on L.V. Bunkley-Shelton. And when we got off the air yesterday, Tyler, I wasn't under the impression <laughs> that this was going to happen. But things started moving. Found out about 15 minutes after locked-in ended that the Sooners were preparing to make room for L.V. and that he was coming. So you add another horse to the wide receiver stable. How does a three-day weekend, how does that feel? Gosh, that feels good. I'm excited. Mm. Going mountain biking in Arkansas. Ah, uh, okay. Not bad. All right, well, I'll uh, catch back up with you on Monday. That'll do it for Parker this week. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked right here on the Homeless Sooner Fans.